another edition of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. I'm Craig. And today we watch Bloodbath at the House of Death. Craig, have you ever heard of this movie? Never. Never in my life. This was my choice because last week we did one from Craig's childhood that I had never heard before. This one, in my defense, I think you can probably find Cloud House on DVD, right? Well, I did. I, I think it's, you know, kind of hard to find, but I think it's up on YouTube, too. So, you know, it's out there. Now, I had a really hard time tracking this one down. I managed to find it again, but I'll tell you, it's pretty much impossible. It really hasn't been re-released in the U.S. since it was released on VHS, which was how I saw it. I must have been, interestingly enough, fourth or fifth grade when my dad rented this video uh, from the video store and took it home because he knew as I liked to watch horror movies right. and we would kind of watch that together. I think because Vincent Price was on the cover, he thought, okay, well, this will be good. This will be fun. And it billed itself as sort of a horror comedy. Uh-huh. And at the time, actually, there weren't really many horror comedies. There wasn't a lot to choose from anyway. And so uh, he brought it home and we watched it. And that was the only time until today that I had seen it. But it made such an impression on me. And watching this movie and seeing some of these scenes that I distinctly remember, it might be the most remembered film from my childhood that I have. <laughs> That's funny. It is memorable. I, I will say that. I mean, it's, it's, there are things that you're not going to forget. That's no. For sure. <laughs> Uh, the movie starts out, um, it, it, well, it's a British film. Okay, and yeah. And it's uh, from 1984. It, okay, yeah, it's, I was going to say, yeah, it's very British. It's a very <laughs> British film. And uh, horror comedy, for sure, heavy on the comedy, uh, and that kind of British comedy that you come to expect from, like, Mr. Bean or, mm. uh, gosh, I don't even know what else. But it's very distinctly British, it feels like. With a little bit of, like, airplane mixed in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was clearly inspired by that type of thing, but not as wacky, over-the-top zany all the way through mm. that that movie is. <laughs> I don't oh, know. You disagree. <laughs> it's pretty wacky and zany, That's, I would say. Well, it it's is. It's very, very tongue-in-cheek, which there's nothing wrong with that. I thought it was funny. I was laughing out loud pretty consistently throughout most of the film. Do you think the humor holds up? I do. I mean, yeah. it's funny. It, it's a stupid movie, but <laughs> that's okay. I mean, I like stupid movies sometimes, and this it's fun. You know, it's you know, it's not a think piece. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's fart jokes and boobies and and you know, lots of uh, silly wordplay and innuendo. But it's funny. It yeah. works. But it starts out kind of brutal. Yeah, I, mean, I guess so. It doesn't really pull the punches in the in the gore department too much. Not um, too much. You know, it starts out with this uh, manor, Headstone Manor. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything in here is a wordplay or a everything. pun or something. And there are a bunch of people in there. Uh, when it's Headstone Manor and then there's a sign hanging from it, Businessman's Retreat and Girls' Summer Camp. <laughs> Businessman's Weekend Retreat and Girls' Summer Camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there are these hooded, robed figures. It's one of those movies where there's this creepy cult who starts coming into the house... One has an axe, one has a rifle, one has a noose. Yeah. <laughs> like they, one has a machete. It's, uh, it's like the Monopoly pieces yeah, of, exactly. of horror. They've all come in here, and uh, they just kill everybody in the house. Uh-huh. And, and it's pretty gross. I mean, they shoot some people in their beds. They skewer some people through. Well, that one's kind of silly. They skewer some people through with a big spear. Apparently, they wrap a bunch of people up in a freezer in the basement and cling wrap uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, now that you say so, I mean, it really was pretty violent in those first few minutes. A whole hour and a half later, I had kind of forgotten about that because of all of the silliness that ensues later. But it's true, that opening scene is is pretty brutal. You're right, light on the gore, but uh, still, 
violence. Well, if you don't know you're in for a, a, a comedy, that would throw you off. Yeah. Right in the beginning. And maybe that was the intent. Maybe. Know? Yeah, it starts off with that. And then it, it, that was like 1975 or thereabouts. Right. <laughs> and then it jumps to present day 1984 when a bunch of people are driving to the manor in order to investigate it. And boy, they don't waste any time with exposition, do they? No, it's hilarious. <laughs> you get the fir- the very first two scientists, uh, Dr. Mandeville and, and Dr. Barbara, Dr. Lucas, I think is Dr. Mandeville's first name. Dr. Lucas is driving and he's talking to the, the passenger, Dr. Barbara. And so he just turns to look at her and directly into camera, basically just lays it out. We're dedicated scientists. And there have been strange, inexplicable radioactive readings picked up in this area, which have been traced to a particular house. And we are on a secret government mission with other scientists to investigate this bizarre phenomenon. It's as simple as that. And it is funny. I mean, we were cracking up. Uh, So they're driving along, and of course the other scientists are coming through. We have other characters here too. There's a couple that are gay, uh, and again, a little dated in the fact that they're, you know, it's played for laughs. Oh, haha, gay people. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was kind of fun. I thought, wow, you didn't really see uh, gay people represented in, and it is played for laughs. It's stereotypical, but it's not insulting. You know, it's, no. it's just a, a, a joke. It's it's funny. And it sort of starts out like they cast it with these two hard looking guys, uh-huh. right? These hard, like, ma- like, you know, prototypical masculine looking guys and they're having this conversation and and it slowly becomes this uh, so who cares if I like to stay home and you know put up curtains curtains. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty funny it's funny you bring up the characters there are eight of these scientists in total and I was trying to like write down their names but they barely even mention their names because it's really not important (laughs) I mean you've just got these eight weirdo scientists each one with their various quirks you know Dr. Mandeville the main kind of one the guy who's brought them all together has a prosthetic leg. I, I like guess metal. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's the Tin Man from you know that that one leg down. Yeah, he looks like the Tin Man, but and, and he walks like the Tin Man. <laughs> he gimps but, around, but his time. leg is like RoboCop. It like <laughs> whacks doors and it like breaks things as it's as it's flipping around. It's it's almost has a life of its own in this movie. Oh yeah, it's slapstick and and much of it is. <clears throat> but there's and then he's got the assistant and she's uh, kind of the sexy blonde one who you know wears sensible glasses, so she's smart, you know. Mm. And um, then. The other ones are really almost so nondescript, I don't even know no. what to say about them. It's just a, a, a gathering. It reminded me, actually, very much of Clue. Yes. Um, these people all coming together into this spooky mansion and, you know, trying to, trying to figure out what was going on. Very reminiscent of Clue, even in the humor department. And you have your, um, the American guy, the proto-stereotypical, yeah. like... The hunky guy. Ch- uh, chiseled kind of dude, who looked really familiar to me. He did to me, too, but I have no idea. He's only been in, like, three other movies. Uh, he must look a lot like another actor. I, I guess. Or maybe he's just so stereotypical that he looks like every hunky guy from those 80s movies. And then he his they, they all come in pairs. And, and the girl he comes with is the slut. And that's it. Like, I don't know anything about her. I don't even understand why she was there. No. Was she a scientist? She, presumably, <laughs> she was a scientist. Like, he said that he was a paranormal investigator. He says that once, and then that's it. Then he just serves the role of the hunk throughout the rest of the thing. And he's with this girl who's kind of done up like an 80s glam rock kind of girl, kind of porn star looking thing. And, and that's it. You know, she, yeah. She's, she's the slut, and and that's it. That's right. That's pretty much it. And then uh, and then we have a, the drunk guy. Uh huh. And then that 
Is that it? Well, then there's the weird redhead lady who seems very stiff, but then also sometimes goes in, sometimes, one time goes into like a weird hysterical laughing fit. But who is it? Who's been killed? Who? Oh, no, there's nothing to worry about, I assure you. Oh, oh my God! This is the house of death! Oh, no, 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 it's nothing to do with the house. It's just the barmaid at the local pub was found dangling upside down from a tree with her throat cut. You see when she's unpacking her things that she has like all of this like whips, whips and dildos and all kinds of stuff. There's no depth of character. No, I mean, it's gags. No, the whole movie is just a series of gags throughout, really. Yeah. And as they arrive and they talk about how they're going to investigate this house, as the, the night goes on, we get to see a little bit of almost everybody's backstory, or at least a few of them. A few of them. Uh, and even before they get there, I mean, it's it's it follows, you know, so many horror stereotypes. They're going to this old spooky mansion. But before they go into the mansion, they stop at the local pub where, you know, one of the scientists mentions, oh, has, can anybody tell us how to get to this mansion? And of course, everybody turns and stares and uh, gives very ominous looks and uh, in the pub. Uh, hanging on the wall there's this strange symbol it looks like kind of a pagan symbol kind of like the Illuminati symbol like Mm. an eye like in a triangle or whatever and uh, the guy Dr. Mandeville says I feel like I've seen that before (laughs) and then they look around and every single person in the bar has it tattooed somewhere on their bodies or hands right including the black guy who has it tattooed in in white white. and the dog who has it stamped on his head (laughs) that's so funny so obviously there's something sinister going on with the townspeople yeah yeah, and, and that brings up one of my one of the scenes that I remember the most and it just busted me out laughing as a kid was when they're sitting around arguing about how many how the murders went down and right. oh there were two people in the base. No, I thought there were three. No, there were five. And pretty soon one guy's breaking out a calculator trying to figure <laughs> out exactly who many. And then by the end of it they're all singing it like uh, the twelve days of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> one That's pretty pretty hilarious. And then there's a blind guy uh, in that group too of the townspeople. Of the townspeople, and they they definitely take every advantage with the blind jokes. The guy stumbling around, walking off, you know, walking backwards, knocking things over. It's you tell him to go one way, he goes the other yeah, way. It's it's slapstick you, stuff. You don't see this stuff anymore, but you not know, really. You got you, you got to love a great blind joke, right? 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 I mean, I kept trying to think it. You know, like how do you classify this movie? Because it's really not horror. It's not scary in any way. I don't know. I mean, I guess there are some parts that are mildly creepy, but uh, really, it's it's not so much played for the scares. It's played for the comedy. It's it's reminiscent of like Monty Python or mm. or the Mel Brooks films like yes. um, Spaceballs or no, oh, what's uh, what's the western. Uh, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. That kind of thing. Those kinds of gags. And there was a film before this uh, called Student Bodies. I think it was a a year or two before this. Do you you remember that one? I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it, I don't think. That's another horror comedy that kind of came out around the same time that slasher movies were really in. Uh, Maybe it was a year or two after this one, but it sure seems from the same era. It's funny that you mentioned Mel Brooks, because I don't know if you realize this, but the woman who played Barbara is Pamela Stevenson, who actually star not starred in, but she was one of the actresses in History of the World. Oh, I, I didn't know that. And she was in Superman 3. And she's married to Billy Connolly. 
Billy Connolly. Who's that? Uh, he's the uh, Irish or Scottish. He's a Scottish oh, um, yeah. comedian. Yeah, yeah. He's been in films yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so there is a bit of a connection there, uh, even even with the actors and stuff. Cool. Yeah, it's funny. So, I mean, if you want to talk about, there, there's really very little reason to discuss plot. And it's yeah. it's so convoluted. I mean, okay, so they're there investigating. They don't really know what. The townspeople put on these robes so they seem like, you know, kind of these sinister monks. Uh, and then the amazing Vincent Price appears. Yes. Um, and uh, he is kind of the cult leader. He has been serving Lucifer for 700 years, <laughs> protecting this manor or whatever from intruders. And, and that's their job. They're... Lord Lucifer, I guess, is going to be rising that night, and they've got to clear out the manor, and that's uh, their their whole purpose, and that's kind of you know how the plot develops. It's it's slowly them kind of picking them off, but uh, Vincent Price, <laughs> you know, Vincent Price is an icon, just an absolute icon, and I'm in this film, you know, this you said what 1984. Mm-hmm. He's already, you know, definitely starting to show his age. You know, he's he's looking more like the uh, the uh, Edward Scissorhands Vincent Price than than in his earlier career. And I am just wondering <laughs> who on this production knew him and got him to do this because I hope you know in the in the first scene he's acting and it's very silly but this guy is a pro you know I can only imagine that he came he could have filmed his entire role for this movie in an hour I'm yeah. certain of it you know he, well, he's he, only in like four scenes yeah four or five scenes not very much at all and he, he plays it for the laughs too but you still that voice and and his delivery is so amazing you think it is stupid. You say that to me, the arch-disciple of Lucifer himself. You are but a grain of sand, a mere speck in the cosmos, and you dare to venture an opinion regarding that great design of our master, Diablis Supremus. To think that I, the right hand of Baal's above himself, should be subjected to the opinions of churls and hobbledehoys. Bow thy knee if you wish to even speak in my presence. Oh, piss off. But, you know, after the first scene, I just kind of, I was like, man, just give the man his check and let him go home. And then... <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, I it's really know. an inane role for him. I, you know, you do, but, but he, he tends to elevate almost anything he's in. He does. I mean, he's been in a lot of schlock, yeah. you know, and this is schlocky too, but have you ever heard Vincent Price curse? I don't <laughs> know. He says quite a few words in this film that it's just kind of funny. Uh, well, and he it's I've never seen him play to this type. Like he kind of plays the uh, the spooky scary thing sometimes, but then that drops and he kind of plays this kind of dandy character, you know, mm-hmm. almost a, a little effeminate, which um, he kind of has that in his air in general, but it's kind of upplayed here and I've never really seen him play that before i mean it was interesting i'm i'm glad to have seen it uh i don't know i i doubt he would count it among his <laughs> finest work but um he's a cool guy well, there's no getting around that i think he could do comedy you know we never really got a chance to see him do much comedy uh if if much at all i don't uh, recall ever seeing him anything he was in a couple comedic roles but but that was pretty early in his career before he got solidified into this and of course that's why he's in this movie uh, this movie really is iconic it it just throws back to a lot. Oh yeah, it of really contemporary pays, films. It really pays homage to a lot of films, and it's all tongue in cheek, wink wink. But at the same time, for me, that gives it a little bit of uh, of gravity, I guess. Uh, the you know these people, 
they I guess they knew what they were doing. You know, they they knew the genre. They were intentionally playing with it. They were they were going for the comedy, um, but they were really kind of giving little winks and nods and tributes to other uh, horror films. Um, there's a very deliberate Carrie mm-hmm. uh, spin in in one of the flashbacks that's really funny, which eventually turns into a Star Wars uh, thing. Yeah, with the lightsaber, <laughs> so random. Um, there was uh, a little Shining tribute mm-hmm. there, Alien. Puppet Master. Yes. One of the guys gets, or, or any of that genre of films, dolls or demonic Coming toys, to right? Yeah. Um, with a, there's a, a teddy bear that just sprouts a knife out of its uh, paw and, and kills a guy. Um, <laughs> some Evil Dead stuff going yeah. on with that, you know, fast motion through the woods kind of thing. All kinds basement. of homage. There was a Jaws one in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't. They didn't limit themselves strictly to horror. Right. Uh, then you know, with the Star Wars, there was E.T. And uh, I don't know if you caught the Fury. Have you ever seen the Fury? No, or I don't think so. Firestarter. I've seen Firestarter. So similar. I would think Firestarter maybe was a little later than this film, but the Fury was was what they were paying homage to. I think when. When they were zooming in on their eyes and they were staring at people and people oh, would explode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, I know what you're talking about. A lot of that, which was fun. And and it's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's more reflective of the time or if this was just pure lucky happenstance that all those films we named off pretty much are films that you can still reference today and yeah. know what it is. Yeah. They're all still iconic. You know, Jaws, Alien, E.T., Carrie. All those films are still iconic enough that... Luckily, this it makes this film not quite show its age as much. That's true. You know? That's true. And then, of course, the whole notion that they're going to this haunted house in order to investigate it is very much like, oh, Amityville uh-huh. um, or any one of those films from that era, you know, where you'd set up this fancy scientific equipment and they're all... Of course, there's almost no investigation oh, actually no. going on at this No, house. I mean, there, it's, it's just <laughs> madcap hilarity. You know, they've got... Okay, so they go there and they say, we've already got all the equipment set up. Well, apparently the equipment is this big <laughs> machine that just flashes like carnival lights and makes bleep, bloop, bloop noises and they just... They don't do anything to it. They just all huddle around and look at it. Something must be going on. Because this machine's making noise. (laughs) And flashing colorful lights. Clearly there's something going on. It looked more like the cockpit of an airliner. Yeah. uh, Or, you know. uh, Or a a carnival game or something. I mean, it was just really silly. It reminded me a lot of Clue, but it also seem to have a lot of really direct parallels to Rocky Horror uh, as well, especially in the end. I mean, it, it, as it turns oh, out, yeah. as it turns out, the, the, okay, so it is Lucifer who is in control of this house, but some ancient aliens also use the house to, like, give them power to do evil works on Earth. And in the end... These, <laughs> I don't even, it was, how do you, how do you even describe it? So in the end, the aliens come to the mansion as doppelgangers of all of the scientists, one by one kill off the scientists, and then take off in a spaceship the end. Like, what is going on? It is, like, super convoluted. And I felt like maybe the only way that that was shoehorned into what seems to be a satanic cult movie uh, was just to get all those extra references in, you know? Yeah. It, it was the only thing that made sense to me. 
Yeah, I mean, I, it didn't seem like they were particularly concerned no. with storytelling. It didn't seem like they were particularly concerned with continuity. Uh, there's, at one point, the the one scientist, the main guy, Dr. Mandeville, is the first one to get dispatched. But then, it's almost like they ignore that scene, because all of the other doppelgangers only behave in this very kind of stoic way. Yes. Um, but then, the Dr. Mendeville's doppelganger kills him, but then the character, Dr. Mendeville, is still in later scenes. And they kind of try to explain that, like, oh, it was just the doppelganger playing along. It seems to me like <laughs> just shoddy editing. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I read something, I don't remember where it was, maybe Wikipedia or something, that said that um, the filmmakers screened this. I don't know if it was for the producer or the distributor or what. They, they screened it for him. And he liked it. He thought it was funny. Um, but he was absolutely certain that the projectionist had played the reels in the wrong order. <laughs> because it, it didn't make any sense. It doesn't. <clears throat> and uh, at one point, uh, one of the scientists says, ah, oh, all the pieces are falling together. And both of us are like, no, no they're not. <laughs> Not at all. Well, it's fitting that a movie that sort of starts out with just a whole bunch of exposition to catch you up sort of ends with a whole bunch of exposition where they just find this room, they pull out this book, he reads and says, oh, here's what it says in this book. And then he proceeds to explain the entire film to you right. by reading it to her in this book before the final ending. Hang on, this is it. Listen. Headstone Manor was built on the site of a burial ground of an ancient order of monks who once ruled the area by terror and torture. Interesting. Folklore has it that the monks regularly returned to the site to perform pagan ceremonies. When Headstone Manor was built, many workers died mysteriously and stories were rife of monks who appeared in the night and took on the form of any inhabitants of the manor who met with violent deaths. The muck. Some say the monks are extraterrestrial visitors from an alien planet. Emissaries of Lucifer, the Prince of Darkness, who used the manor as an instrument for their evil powers on Earth. Right, and that's maybe two minutes before the end. (laughs) Let me just explain what was happening. The end. I don't know, it's a weird movie, but uh, I liked it. Did you? Yeah, I might even watch it again. You know, and it's one of those movies where... (laughs) You could flip to it in the middle, and you didn't really miss anything. No. <laughs> well, it, it's like watching Naked Gun or something yeah. like that. Yeah, the point of it is not to follow the story, because there is none. No, I mean, it's it's just, you know, slapstick comedy, gags, lots and lots of wordplay that really is pretty low. I mean, it's kind of the lowest level of comedy. Low brow. But, it, but it's funny, you mm-hmm. know? It's, you know, it's it's fart jokes, it's sexual innuendo, it's panty-sniffing ghosts and, <laughs> and ghost sex and stuff like that. It's silly, silly stuff. But it seems like that was what they were going for. It's not one of those movies that's funny just because it's so bad. You know, like um, uh, the the kind of infamous Troll 2 uh, that you laugh at because they're taking themselves seriously and it's just so bad. You know, here, they are clearly playing it for the comedy. It's clearly, you know, that's the intent. And and I thought it was funny. They're actually doing a good job with the comedy. I mean, it really is. Uh, The guy who played... Uh, Lucas Ray Everett, I uh, I believe, is actually I believe a comedian, um, and around this time period, he was mostly known for a television show that he had uh, and a series of uh, videotapes that he put out that were kind of comedy. I think this was his first foray into feature film, mm-hmm. uh, and it 
and that was really the last. Uh, I don't think he did anything more film-wise uh, after this movie. <laughs> but he's funny. Uh, he's a funny guy. He does a pretty good job with his role, I thought. Uh, and again, it's that slapsticky kind of humor that either looks really, really bad, or when you can't pull it off, or you pull it off and it's you know it's goofy. Yeah, and it's it's something you either appreciate or you don't. Yes. You know, if you're into uh, Mel Brooks, if you're into Monty Python, that kind of thing. It, this is not really even exactly in the same vein, but it kind of uh, was reminiscent to me of um, Haunted Honeymoon. Yes. With Gilda Radner. Of course. And, um, and, uh, it reminded me quite a bit. Uh, Gene Wilder it reminded mm-hmm. me quite a bit of that. If that's what you're looking for, if you enjoy that kind of comedy, you will enjoy this movie, I think. And what's nice about it, too, is it doesn't do like what some of those other films often do. And they they reference the older film. You know, like, it's you got your Frankenstein-y guy, and you have your Dracula-y kind of guy. I mean, this movie doesn't really delve into that. Uh, it really seems to be a little more contemporary to its even to its time. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And you know? in fact, I think you could even kind of draw a parallel to like the scary movie franchise. I think that this movie is better made than those, but it's the same kind of thing. You know, it's 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 a horror spoof. Uh, and and they do make reference to lots of other movies, but like you said, fortunately, you know, these movies are ones that have kind of remained iconic. So you get the the jokes. I don't think that something like Scary Movie 4 is going to last as long as this because they're only referencing super, super contemporary stuff that's come out in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, stuff that's probably largely forgettable. Um, but the, the references here, you know, have, have kind of stood the test of time. They have. Whether, you know, they realized it or not, they yeah. certainly did. The soundtrack was very aggressive. Yeah, you know, we talked about this last week. There is a lot of synthesizer. I think that's just kind of a product of the time. Um, and it's played, you know, to effect, you know, it's it's supposed to be that kind of over the top creepiness. I thought it was kind of weird. I don't know when it happened, but it seemed like about halfway through the film, the score turned to like this, <laughs> like this lute kind of instrument, like a flute or a a, 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 a recorder or something. Did you notice that? Oh, it was it was weird. Uh, I just because there had been lots of the dark, you know, kind of drawn out synth kind of stuff, and Droning. then yeah, and then uh, all of a sudden in the sec- second half, there's a lot of this kind of light, airy, whistly kind of music. <laughs> I don't know. Incon- inconsistency in this movie? No, oh, right. I, 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 I wasn't really looking for consistency, uh, so it didn't bother me. I just, it was kind of, I thought all of a sudden we're like, you know, among the woodland elves. Like, I was like, where is this soundtrack coming from? And they do funny things with the soundtrack, like in the ghost sex scene, there's almost uh, like a, a circusy type music going on um, with all of the commotion, you know, things are flying about the room and, and whatnot. And then after the ghost sex, uh, the the girl says and i thought the music was a nice touch <laughs> that's right <laughs> just just little things like just acknowledges that acknowledges it right yeah <laughs> and, and and the special effects were actually pretty good i mean for their time you know not bad again they seem to take pains to they did gore but not too much no um but then you know the, there's a sort of a breathing uh, meat pie thing that's glowing there's right. a the sort of floating things around that are fairly well done. There's a bit of animation there where people are struck by lightning or get zapped or something like that. So Yeah, some of the effects are fine. Some of them, you know, there was one 
instance early on in the movie where uh, a, a pair of the scientists walk down the hall and they walk out of frame. And then even though it's still, the camera is still focused in the exact same place, it's clearly a cut shot before this like wind and, and fog blows in the window. <laughs> like They didn't have the time or the budget to actually coordinate that effect. They had to do two separate shots and cut them together. And then there were some effects that I can only imagine were intended to be silly, like Mm -hmm. the house glowing red. And, you know, it's clearly, I don't know how they do that, but it was, you know, animated in post. It wasn't, you know, the house wasn't actually lit up in any way. And um, the the spaceship flying off at the end, uh, you know, almost (laughs) looks like, you know, kind of a... a (laughs) Uh, an aluminum foil spaceship on a popsicle stick going across the screen, you know, but I think that those budget concerns may have been an issue, but I imagine again, it was more just of a tongue in cheek kind of thing. I'm really surprised that this movie hasn't lasted in anyone's memory. There are just so many really bad movies that have stuck around. And this one isn't really a bad movie. Not really. You know, it's, it's corny, it's cheesy, but it's trying to be as well. Mm -hmm. And, Again, all the references and things in it, you will get today. And the performances are funny. I mean, it's almost like the naked gun, Mm -hmm. you know, of horror. And those movies are still around. And why isn't this one? I don't know. And especially, you know, with the clout that Vincent Price carries, I... I'm surprised. I'm really surprised I hadn't heard of it before. It, it would be interesting if we have any listeners in, in England. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure we do. Our vast audience. Right. I mean, it is still available on DVD in the UK. It would be interesting to know if maybe this film does have a bit of a following in the UK. And it's just overseas just been completely forgotten about. And maybe that has something to do with it. You know? Maybe. And like I said, I mean, it, it is very distinctly British. In fact, um, it took me a little while to get acclimated to the accents. I, I almost had a little bit of difficulty uh, understanding what they were saying initially, but I did. You know, I got used to it. And uh, yeah, but, you know, maybe I don't know. You know, there's other slapstick British stuff that has been very, very popular over here. So I, I agree. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why it's so obscure. Well, this movie is so hard to find um, that I may just make it available on our website uh, until it gets released in the U.S. for any of our listeners who might want to check this out. I was going to say, otherwise, you don't get to watch it. Yeah. (laughs) You just get to to hear us talk about it. No, I think... Which which really isn't good enough because, you know, we talk about how cheesy and corny it is, but I think you really need to see it. I I don't want to make it seem like it's it's not worthy of watching. I really think it is. In fact, you know, I, I, I could foresee myself watching it again uh, sometime in the future. It's light. You know, it's light-hearted entertainment. It's fun. Yeah. If you like Airplane, if you like The Naked Gun, you know, Kentucky Fried Movie, you like those kind of films, I think you're going to like this film. Me too. Yep. Thank you once again for listening. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Also, check out our website uh, and like us on Facebook as well. Until next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw.